Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now, here's the real deal. All right, so welcome. Are you ready for the best introduction you have had all day? Well, it is 10.30 in the morning, so yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. You ready? All right, here we go. Today's episode of The Real Deal On is brought to you by GuidedHypnotic.com. Are you feeling stressed out, riddled with anxiety, maybe waking up with night terrors? Then an anxiety-busting guided hypnotic meditation is just right for you. Go to GuidedHypnotic.com and download your free anxiety-busting guided hypnotic meditation. All right, so... My brother from another mother here, uh, we met a few years ago and have been uh, just finding ways to do incredible things, but it's important that you learn a bit about our, uh, our wonderful guest right now. He, he sent me a fantastic, fantastic bio. I'm going to do my best not to hack it up because uh, part of what we're going to talk about is what's next, and he's done so much, but what's next is the new bio is what's most important for us all, isn't it? With over 30 years of full event branding and production experience, Chris Cruz is a seasoned TV and radio personality, event host, and public speaker, traveling throughout the country on behalf of corporations, conventions, concerts, and large-scale events, as well as brand launchings, grand openings, and more. Mr. Cruz has developed an entrepreneurial muscles over the past 20 years with invaluable experience in the world of consulting, developing, and launching new businesses, including creative resource, behind-the-mic, TV and radio, hosting workshops, photo mingle Miami and the Neo Splash experience. He also has his finger on the pulse of development and rebranding for many other companies along the way. As an on-air radio personality with Y100 Miami and iHeartRadio since 2005, Chris has positioned himself as a hard-to-miss host. He has done television with Deco Drive, NBC6, and other channels throughout his long career. Other big-name media outlets have worked with include MTV, the VMAs, Emmys, Grammys, Billboard Music Awards, and more. In addition to hundreds of signature events, Chris Cruz has conducted countless life coaching events and seminars, currently working on The Power of RE, a personal development program that will help you reset, rethink, and restart your life's meaning in career, marriage, goals, passion, and ultimately discover your repurpose. When you meet him and you're meeting him right now, you will be instantly reassured of his talents and passion. He's a people, yeah, excuse me. He is a people person in every sense of the word. As an idea man, his brain never stops roaring forward, always searching for the next big eureka moment. With Puerto Rican flair, practical tools, riveting stories, and contagious optimism, Chris Cruz's mission is to help people and organizations adapt boldly, nimbly, and quickly in the face of exponential change. Whew, that was a mouthful. Sorry, I, I uh, flubbed a little bit. But, uh, dude, thank you so much. Pardon? Thank you for having me. I said that's not easy to do. Uh, no, I probably should have read it before I read it, but, um, super hard, cold read. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's the, yeah. the background. <laughs> um, 
So thank you so much for, for sharing your most valuable asset, your time, and in that time, your wisdom and experience. And uh, the, the quick backstory is when we first met, um, we were introduced by a mutual friend and we had lunch and just hit it off. And you were already looking at kind of transitioning back then a few years ago. And now here we are speeding all of these things up. Um, but share a little bit, how did you get into doing the radio, TV, VOs, like what was your journey? Because when we, when we first met, you, you have a lot of pots uh, boiling and a lot of plates spinning. That's what they call an entrepreneur. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I, you know, listen, I, I, radio and hosting um, has really been my whole life. Um, I can take it as far back as, you know, remember doing the fifth grade talent shows and I would, you know, wrangle a whole bunch of friends in my class together and I'm like, we're going to do the show. And I would always put myself in this, you know, the center of, of the group. And, and um, it really kind of just, it's always been inside of me to be a performer. The, the speaking part kind of came when I was about 13 years old. I had a, uh, my cousin's really good friend was a DJ and he would invite me to a team party that he would DJ every Friday and Saturday night. Um, fortunately for me, this particular DJ did not like being on microphone. So there were times where it was like a crash course because there were times where, you know, there would announcement that had to be made, like, you know, Bobby, your mom's at the front door, you know, go now. She, you're not even supposed to be here. You snuck out of the house. So little by little, I started to do that. And over the course of about a year or two years, it just became, I was doing it every weekend, um, 13 into 14. And then from that point, it just kind of grew and, and I started hosting events and nightclubs and parties. And then I got into doing, you know, the social stuff, the, the weddings and, um, you know, the regular kind of parties that people hire DJs and MCs for and just got groomed. I didn't lock into radio um, until I went back to New York. And then one day I just said, hey, I want to I do radio. And um, so what year was that? Like what? Because it's different now getting into radio than it was oh, yeah. back then. That was two, my first gig in radio was 2000, 2000, and 2000, 2001. Okay. And what was your first station? Um, it and it was, was in New York. Um, it was not part 1051. It was, <laughs> I tried applying to Z100 because I yeah. was around. They, oh, yeah, they back then they were huge. Yeah. They never called me back. <laughs> and I tried applying to KTU New York, which is kind of like a rhythmic station. Then um, I wasn't able to get in there. And then finally, I, I kept calling. I kept calling. I kept calling. I was like, you know, just, it just can you speak to me? So finally, the guy finally calls me back and he says, you know what? You've called here so many times. Just come in. <laughs> so I go in and I'm sitting there and I had already, I had already worked production and gigs with MTV, did the VMAs, did, uh, did four VMAs. Did you have a demo MTV. reel at that time? Uh, no, I was just doing stuff. Uh, but okay. when I say I was working with MTV and then those guys, I was in production. So I worked as, I worked on a, I was on an A-list um, talent wrangler team. So they, you know, whenever it was like major celebrities that were on property at Radio City or, or you know, Madison Square Garden, I was on a very short, small team of people that they entrusted to work with these specific A-list celebrities. Because, you know, you work with, I mean, there were so many big ones, but you, you know, let's say Robin Williams. I got to work with Robin when he was at Madison Garden for, for the Grammys. So I was part of that particular team and they put me on with him because... You can't, you know, you got to trust who you're putting with certain people. Um, so that was more production. So I had a lot of that. And then I was still hosting parties on the weekends, but I, I, I got the, the that urge to want to do radio. Never did radio. I just like, I want to do radio now. Let's, you know, and I, and 
I, I wanted to be on camera. I did audition for, for TRL back in the day, which mm-hmm. is weird. Total request line, um, right? Yeah. And I remember it, I would work production as well. I was doing TRL and Carson was like at his peak. And one of the first times I ever saw Britney Spears was actually at TRL. And so it's cool because I got so many really ridiculous memories. I mean, I was in the room at Radio City when Britney and Madonna kissed in that infamous kiss years ago. Wow. That became massive. And um, it's, been a, it's been a journey. So I decided to do, I wanted to do radio. Nobody was calling me back. Finally, they called me back at KTU. And um, it was really just persistence because at one point in the interview, he sees that I, you know, I had done production, I worked in TV, and I had all these different things that I've done. He goes, well, you, you do all this. You know, why do you want to work in radio? And I go, well, because at the time, th- there was a position answering phones, possibly. And he goes, well, it's just answering phones. It's eight, it's eight bucks an hour. Why, why would you want a job like that? I go, well, if that means my foot in the door, then I'll take the $8 job answering phones. And you so left you work in production for that gig. And which I'm, I assume you were making more than $8 an hour. Yeah, you made more like your, your shift production pay or your day rate and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I did New York, New York was so – when I think about it now, it gives me anxiety because you can only really pursue that type of life when you're young and essentially hungry and it's a little bit naive because all you know is just go, 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 go. You know, um, now when I look back, I'm like, wow, that was, I, I went through a lot and I took a lot of chances and risks. Um, but you have to kind of look back at those chances and risk because I think as you get older, you become complacent and you don't take as many because you're married, because you have kids, because you have a steady job that you're not happy at and you should get out of it, but you don't because you, you, you don't want to risk, well, I have a salary, I have benefits. Oh, well. Yeah. So you know, know what the job, three worst addictions are for uh, entrepreneurs? Is what? Uh, sugar, mm-hmm. heroin, and a salary. <laughs> salary. <laughs> Salary means that you've, you've just capped yourself off. That's yep. it. You just put a cap on yourself and you, and, and that's what it is. But the first job was at Jammin 1051. Um, it was a classic R and B radio station answering the phones and uh, the phone rang probably once an hour. <laughs> answering the phones, like for people just curious for, for some, or like for the host. I was answering the phone for the DJ. So they would call, they want to do, you know, they're calling the request line. And uh, I pick up the phone, I do the request, and I was dealing with some super old school DJs. And um, it's time went so slowly um, because it was the most unexciting job on the planet. That radio station ended up becoming what it is now. It's Power 105, so it's the biggest hip-hop station in New York. Um, Now, about a couple months later, I I somehow, funny, I went, the, the vice president of Clear Channel at the time, who I ended up becoming his executive assistant, was at Jammin, because he was overseeing Jammin. And this is how life just works, and things just like kind of happen. He was there, and I was just a young kid, and I, I was like, that's the boss. So I went up to him. He didn't know who I was. I was like, hey, Mr. Blue. His name was Frankie Blue. Mr. Blue, my name is Chris Cruz. I want to say hello to you. If you ever need anything, you know, I'll do whatever. Long story short, um, the music director came to me about a month later and said, hey, there's a phone, a phone operator position opening up for the, a new night show at KTU. Do you want to, you know, move over? So I did. Two months into that, Frankie came, brought me to his office. And for a week, he had me doing all kinds of random stuff. Um, and I remember, because I thought it was the weirdest thing on the planet. He's like, can you go get me coffee? Can you organize my CDs on the wall? Can you go, go get me, a, 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 was it Cozy's or Koozie's? It was like a sandwich shop in New York. Okay. Random stuff for a week. That Friday, he sits me down. He says, hey, listen. Um, I'm looking for an executive assistant full-time with salary benefits. 
you know, would you be interested? And I go, well, you know, let me think about that. Part-time phone guy making eight bucks an hour to salary uh, assistant to the senior vice president of, of programming for New York. So it's like a Cinderella story because I went from being like a nobody to like untouchable. And it got to the point where people, like a lot of people didn't really like me because now it's like, they, you know, I was like a made guy, if you will. Right. That opportunity opened the door for me to be able to go in the studio. And then I never had technical training. I would just, at the end of every day, like five, six o'clock when my, my day was over, I'd go into a studio that was closed. I'd go in there to start pushing buttons. i take the, the scripts that the DJs left in the room. It's kind of like a Les Brown story because Les talks yeah, about Yeah, it's, it's what's reminding in a, me in of radio it, yeah. studio. And he was, you know, the DJ was drunk one day. And he was just waiting for, you know, his opportunity to get on the microphone. And then uh, as soon as he did, you know, he... He took it and ran with it, and that's what happened. So one day, I, I, I would do the scheduling for all the DJs, and um, I remember one day, it was getting close to Thanksgiving weekend, and I had submitted a tape to my boss to say, hey, I made a tape, and just check it out and see if you like it. Well, I end up looking at the schedule, and then I see my name on the schedule, um, Thanksgiving Eve, which is the Wednesday night, and that was my first, my first shot on the radio live, and been on the radio ever since, until January of this year. Wow. I just have to leave iHeart, so. Well, I mean. It's been a journey. There's a lot more stuff that happened to me. No, of course. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. What is so telling about that is you'll hear this in every success story is the persistence, the, the ability to kind of take a step back, humble yourself. Hey, I'll take that gig. I mean, our stories are similar. I interned at a studio and I worked for free and I did the exact same thing or even then once even became an assistant but I would during the day do as an intern grab coffee and you know do cut tape and all that solder wires then when this I'd stay till the you know the gig was like the session was over and then I'd spend I till three four in the morning I'd be practicing on the console and all that and you know, sleep on the couch, take a shower that I had a shower and then do that again. And within six months I was, you know, working there. And next thing you know, we're, you know, winning Grammys. Um, but yeah, it's a, there's a consistency that is required that some people don't sometimes do. They try a little bit. They'll go, Oh, I, I, I called a person. Well, no, it's more than one call. It's, you know, probably 200 calls, 2000 calls. I, you know, I, I went and I, I took that gig for eight bucks an hour for a month and nothing happened. And it's the consistency. Just keep talking as my power is going down. I don't, I don't want to disrupt you, but keep talking. Oh, your power is going down. That's crazy. Wow. Look at you. You're gone. (laughs) You disappeared. You're like, uh, oh, there you go. You're back. It's it's like you're cranking it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, just, there's always these elements of consistency. Like you share, you you modeled Les Brown's story, being in the right place at the right time. That's, you know, fortune meets when, you know, you're consistently in a situation where someone could go, Hey, why don't you come on here? And you get a chance to, to share. Yeah. That's part of life. Yeah. it's, It's huge. Is that opportunity? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no good. I wanna, if I lost power, I didn't realize it was low. Go ahead. Um, well, and it might obviously this is about you to find out, you know, how that all is. I'm not here to talk about my experiences. You could find no, out no, no. But listen, but you're you're right. And a lot of times, it's 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 nice when when you can share a story and you share. You only understand it when it's like minded by somebody else because. Until you've gone through it, 
you really can't get it. It's like, I've never been in the military, but I can only imagine like if I was to go into training to be a, you know, a military soldier or something like that, that experience of boot camp and everything, unless you've been through it, you don't understand it. I ran a marathon. Unless you run a marathon, you train for a marathon, you don't understand what it is to run a marathon. Like it's mentally, it's, it's physical. It's, it's a lot. But, um, yeah, you have to put that determination. And I, I ended up getting fired from that position because my boss got fired. So they let me go. I took a quick job in Long Island at another radio station and I did an overnight position from midnight to 5 a.m. Which station there? Cause I'm, I'm from Long Island. So it'd be 106.1 BLI. Okay. So it was in West Babylon. Yeah. I lived in Brooklyn. I would walk from the, tr- I would walk from my house to the train at like 10 o'clock at night, take the train to the Long Island Railroad, take the Long Island Railroad to West Babylon an hour, take yeah. car service from the train to, the, to the, the station, then work from midnight to 5 a.m. Most cases, I go to the conference room downstairs and I bring a pillow with me, sleep under the conference room table for an hour or so, take a car right back to the train. Wow. <laughs> then I work a part-time job during the day. So, you know. And people- were you married at that time? No. Okay. No, no, no. That wasn't so much later. So, but that's the persistence that you put in if you really want to succeed in something, whether it's, you know, it's sports, it's music. If you look at anybody's story, I was watching some stuff on, on Kevin Hart the other day and, you know, people think that he's this massive superstar and he is, but he'll tell the story where he would go from Philly to New York five, six times a week to do gigs every week. And we drive an hour, hour and a half every day there and back, you know, just to get his name out there and get the work in. Yep. You know, I mean, if I was to, if you would ask me now, like, Hey, take an hour ride on a train to go do a, an overnight radio thing. I mean, I, I would think that it would be crazy. But back then it was really just, I was doing what I was passionate about and I did it. I did whatever I had to do. I didn't and, even think about it. You just do and it. And that was uh, the, like introing songs and, and that kind of thing. It wasn't like talk, like, uh, no, just typical radio, right? Yeah, typical radio stuff. And, and back so then you actually had to spin the records. Whereas now, um, how, when how, I first, when I first started, I did have, I had parts. Yeah. So I remember working for a DJ in New York, part of that, 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 that little, that first part of my radio career. And I was a, kind of a little bit of a part-time producer and I would get a list of all the music for each hour for the four hours that she's, she's going to be on air. And I'd have to pull all the carts and I literally would have to stack them based on when she's playing them. So the, the one that's coming up would be the top one and then the next one and the next one. Yeah. And then if you missed up the stack, it was a problem, <laughs> which can't happen. You know, you put the right wrong one and it wasn't the right one. And, and, and like old school DJs back in the day were very temperamental. Um, they had like their ways and their things, the way, the way they did their, their radio stuff. So, um, yeah, no, it's been a journey. And then it wasn't until a little bit after that, I started really tapping more into, into being on camera and, and learning how to, how to do more um, of the interviewing. And, and, and so how did you transition into that? Um, I just started taking on, you know, stuff at the radio station that allowed me, I mean, even when I started at Y100, after I left New York, um, I was one of the first, I think one of the first two people that started bringing video to the table. Um, if you look at my reel, I mean, I have, I have original video of interviews with me, like in Jason Derulo, probably back in 2003, four. And video wasn't as, as apparent as it is now. Like now everybody's doing video. Like this is, 
this is even a couple of years before, I mean, this is way before TikToks and all this stuff and Instagram. But I, I said that video was, was going to be an important thing. And it really, that became another thing. It's just, it was really just trial and error. And mm-hmm. I remember working with a couple of people that um, when I would do my interviews, I was so internal of what I was going to ask next, or I was worried about what I was going to say and how I was going to say it and what I was going to ask them, you know, what the next question was going to be. And I wasn't having a conversation and little by little, again, trial and error, I just started to, I learned to kind of get out of my head and just have to be more in the moment and just, and just really have that conversation. So one of the things that I started doing with a lot of my celebrity interviews, and you can I guess you can kind of see it in, in some of the stuff that I've done. I kind of stopped preparing questions. I did. I just, I stopped unless I knew it was like a, a big person I was interviewing and it was a major question because a lot of those major questions you learn in, in Hollywood, unless you're Seacrest or something, you don't even, you don't even want to ask those questions because then you're just going to get into something with the publicist or the manager or the artist. They're not going to like you. Well, so how just, often were they, were you handed say, you know, the, here's what you're like the questions that we want you asking. Like, here's what we're covering. Yes, here's, yeah. and, I, and I would even ask like, hey, is there anything you don't want me to ask? Right. I, because I was still trying to grow my brand and grow, grow myself as personality, I just kind of stay out of the red zone. So I just kept all my interviews, like just fluffy and, um, you know, they would just, I mean, I've had some good interviews with like, you know, Charlie Puth and, um, oh, so many of them. And I, I really just kept it. Hey, like love your outfit. What's going on? You know, we're here. Like, you know, if it was like jingle ball, you know, what are you doing for Christmas? What do you do for the holidays that, you know, your fans don't know. And I just really just made it more like if I was just talking to you, let's say, Doug, what would I talk to you about? Same thing. The, right. the thing that I've realized working with so many celebrities over, over the years, and you only know this if you're really in the industry, um, they're people, they're just, mm-hmm. <laughs> they really are. They, they poop, they get mad. They, you know, you don't see, you only see a lot of that stuff behind the scenes and when they're off camera. Right. And there's some, really, there's some really genuine good ones and there's some real, you know, not good ones. Well, I, and obviously that goes in every area of life. I, the, yeah. the one challenge that often happens with celebrity, in my experience has been, is sometimes they're so insulated with yes people. They, the yeah, they, they, it's difficult to have sort of a real conversation depending on what is happening in that moment. If they're in the, that mode of like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm just on, like I'm on, I'm playing almost a character. If, if that makes sense has been my experience. Mine is more music. So it's a little bit of a slightly different hat to be wearing um, because I think when you're, my experience anyway has been like, if you're a face, if you're an actor, if you've got also uh, a mission, you want to have some, use your celebrity for some, you know, uh, messaging of sorts. It's a different headspace than like when you're meeting, I mostly met them and I would work with them, you know, either like touring or making records. So we had a different focus. Like we're working on the, like we had the similar outcome where I think the interviews and what you were doing is kind of a little different where you were kind of hanging out and going, Hey, let's just kind of share something. And that's why I asked him if you got directed questions like, Oh, here's, you know, they want to, they're yeah, normally about not, this not, book or this movie or. Yeah. I mean, usually we would just kind of prep ourselves, um, whatever we felt we needed to, to bring up. I mean, if I, and I had my share of performing, I mean, I, years ago when I was younger, um, I went on tour with a couple, you know, smaller groups um, and did shows. And then 
as I had a opportunity, huh? As what? At that time, I did some backup dancing. Okay, cool. It was cool, you know. Yeah. Fun. Got to got to travel when I was much younger. Yeah. Um, there's a, a young artist that came out. He, he became pretty popular. Um, I helped discover him, uh, Jake Miller, and we. Um, I remember going on one of the first few tours as his, as his tour manager, you know, and you, and I used to see it when I do the interviews or when I do jingle ball, you know, with certain artists would come in and they do their, you know, when they do the meet and greets and we shuffle all these people through, it can get over, I don't want to say overwhelming, but I can see how artists can really get irritated um, because some people just don't really know when to stop. Right. Um, take their photo and then, you know, like they want to take more from that moment. And I understand. And, and it's the artist's responsibility to, you know, absorb it because listen, this is, these, this is why you're here. So you signed up for it, but then sometimes the opposite, some people can just really be a lot. I mean, I've seen certain situations where I'm like, okay, enough. I mean, I've had situations when I was on tour with, with, with Jake. I mean, I would have to sometimes pull him out of the situation because if I don't do that, then he's kind of stuck because he, he can't be the bad person or the rude one. Right. I kind of have to be, you know, the bad guy. And so, so that has been, I mean, I got, I got stories for days of, of all the cool experiences and really just, it's, it's everything that I've done over the course of time. And then with everything that's recently happened, I know you and I are going to discuss that a little bit as well, but that I think opens a door for part two or a new chapter or the next level. And, and the unfortunate truth is the mass majority of everybody in the world never wants to go there. Right. They want to, they kind of want to stay in their little lane. And I think it's go where, huh? Go where to, the, to a next level or a next step. Because right. I think as, as, as humans, as people, we never stay the same. Like you're not Doug that you were when you were 21. You're not Doug you were when you're 25 or 30. Right. You know, it's, we change, but then we're programmed. And that's part of the stuff that I, I talk about as I'm writing the new book is, is how we are, you know, subconsciously and consciously programmed by our lives, our surroundings, and also the first seven years of our lives, um, which a lot of science shows that, that we stay in this little bubble. Um, I think a lot of it came from, I don't know about, you know, your upbringing, your parents or that last generation that it's like, get a good job, you know, work forever and get social security and save some money. And it's like, why, you know, and, and, and moreover, we can't do that anymore because none of that, we, we're a whole different, like, well, yeah, totally. It's, it's interesting how those, like we see it in our industries, we see how they shifted, um, you know, we do the, the microcosm. We look at how music, radio, all of that was delivered. You're talking about the carts, then it went into, you know, digital. Same thing with making music. It was tape. And then it became Pro Tools or some sort of, or now it became digital tape. Then it went to, uh, you know, Pro Tools. No, it went, we even had ADATs in there. Yeah, it was, and, it was uh, real. Then it went to MIDI and then... Yeah, there's all sorry, and that changed the way we did stuff, and also changed the way music was distributed and all of that. And the the other, I think, conditioning that we're experiencing is how quickly we expect results. 
Whereas in the past, there was a certain, you know, we understood the, the seasons of how, like, our, when you use the example, oh, yeah, our parents um, would, uh, you know, like, say you get a job and then you get your benefits and your pension. And then when you retire, you get, you live off of that. And that doesn't exist the way it used to. Like we're becoming a, a very gig economy. Um, and, but if we look, then we, we step back even more their families, like if you look at like the way our parents grew up, they grew up during a war. They grew up during, you know, like in different wars because you went off, like the, the, the family went off and then the parents were being raised. You, you worked on a farm. You, like there was all these different dynamics that that paradigm would then get transferred to us that may or may not be appropriate. And we're going through that again now at a rapid pace. Like you have children. Uh, how many do you have? <laughs> I have three and one on the way. Okay. So, and what's the age difference? Uh, well, 10, seven, and five. And then, you know, the new one, which is, uh, will be born in October. Wow. Congratulations. And imagine that 10 year span, how much different your 10 year old's model of the world is going to be to your newborn. What, what the experience is, what the, like the, the exposure, what the expectations are is, is incredible at the rate at which things are changing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, kind of going a little bit, taking a step backwards. Um, when, I was, when I came down to South Florida and I took the job with Y100 in 2005, I think it was a couple maybe six months or whatever. I wasn't really blessed with what I wanted at the time of full time on air position which led me to then, you know, again, sidestep and figure out, you know, the next thing. And I started an event company, that event company kind of expanded for over probably 11 years. And we did predominantly well, um, still managed to work in radio part-time. But a couple of years ago is when I started to kind of foresee that didn't really want to probably do this much longer the market was getting heavily saturated in South Florida. So I needed to find a way to, um, to sidestep and get out. So um, I stayed in radio and then uh, that's when it started to dawn on me, I think about three years ago, even though I had been successful in so many different things and, and I've lost and I won and, and I made a lot of money, I lost a lot of money. I, I was, I, I kind of asked that, that old age old question, like, what, do, what makes me happy? Like, what do I really want to do? Especially for me, it was weird because I've done so many different things. Like, I've worked for so many massive companies and media companies and iHeart and Clear Channel, MTV and celebrities and HBO. And, you know, I, I had my own company at the time, you know, and at that point I, I was married, um, went I, I'm a, uh, I don't know if you know this, but high school dropout, got my GED when I was in ninth grade. I was working nightclubs at the time. I was making tons of money. I was like, this is silly. You know, I'm making more money on the weekends than going to home economics. Like, what is, what is that? Um, never stopped me from any, getting any of the gigs that I did over the course, you know, into my later teens and 20s or whatever the case is. But around 30, I was uh, working with vitamin water in South Florida. And at the time, I was just getting, I just got engaged was doing pretty well. I was just getting ready to start the company. I was working for the radio station part-time, doing parties on the weekends part-time. I was working like a beast, like seven days, 14 days, 21 days straight. And I was offered a really awesome position with Coke at the time. This is before I started the company. I really launched that. Um, and it was declined, the position. 
because I didn't have a four-year degree. Mm. And I remember like vividly the, the regional director said, Chris, we love you. You've been working with us. You're, you're, you're it for the position. But based on Coca-Cola's corporate um, policies, I can't give you the job. And it, at the time, I was 30, 29. And it would have been an awesome job. It was like close to six figures, benefit the whole nine years. It would have been like perfect. I ended up, I said, well, that's not going to happen. This is part of the whole reset entrepreneur mentality that I was like, I didn't, I'm not going to sit here and be a victim that I can't have something because I don't want to call it a mistake that I got my GD. It was a decision that you made no matter, either way. It's not a, yeah, it just is what it is. So I told my wife at the time, we just got engaged or married. And I said, well, I don't want that to to ever be an issue. I didn't know where my business was going to go because I didn't really fully launch it. It ended up doing really well, but so I said, well, I'm going to go back to, I remember um, in our hiring process when I was just working with vitamin water, I hired a girl and she went to full sale, right? She told me about the school full sale in Orlando and she was doing an online program to get her bachelor's degree. So I was like, well, I don't really have the time to go back to college for four years. So I looked into, I ended up getting, um, I went to the accelerated program full sale and I ended up getting my bachelor's in entertainment business. And I mean, to date, I'm pretty much the only person in my family that actually has college degree i mean i don't it's not worth much now but well yeah it's such I, an I, interesting I degree. I'm, a, I'm a college graduate well congratulations <laughs> and you. it's so interesting as a friend of mine mentors he's got six kids and he's not a high school dropout he, he did some stuff but he had three sets of twins um, paul thank you we actually we did an interview as well <laughs> great guy and uh but he was sharing like he did go to some school and all that. His story is interesting, but he's like, man, my kids, you know, he's noticed that entrepreneurs and the people who are the most successful rarely are the most educated. Oh, agreed. And he's I, like, I'm I, getting a little nervous. My kids are doing great in school. Yeah. I mean, I, I, listen, school is for the, for, for who it really makes sense for. I mean, if I thought about it now, if I kind of knew a little bit of what my future was going to kind of roll out to be, because everything happened so quickly, I don't, I don't know if I would have taken that, that made the decision again and got the degree because um, that's part of entrepreneurship. I really don't, I have a lot more controversial statements to make about college and degrees, but I won't because we're talking public. <laughs> um, but, you know, school and college and degrees are for those who actually, I think, need it. Right. Um, of course, if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, anything that has a need for licensure, uh, continued education and that kind of thing, that, of course, that makes sense. There's, you know, it's uh, like I mean, appropriate. When I was when I was taking my first courses, um, I had already done so many different things and I was already starting the business. I was working with vitamin water. I had worked with all the companies in New York and I just thought I was running to a lot of things that they were teaching me that I'm like, uh yeah i really yeah well that I, I, i've done that i, I do that now well, like, it's like thornton mellon yeah, like at uh you know, yeah, the business yeah, school like, yeah leg up, but <laughs> you weren't teaching me anything that was new to me and i was like uh if anything i should have probably been teaching a class yeah. <laughs> but we got listen we got through it and and um and and you know it's it's a degree i mean if my my children whatever i will always encourage them just to make sure that they do whatever they're, they're passionate about because right. genuinely, I think if you're passionate about something and you put the effort and the hard work into it, you don't really need a degree to, to make that happen. And I have a handful of friends that are not college educated, 
and are seven figure earners. You know, they have successful you know businesses because I think it's just it's a gene, it's a trait that's within us that makes us that person. You can't you can't make somebody a successful CEO or a business person. It's just it's within their being. Right. Um, you can't learn that anywhere. Like you can only learn it by doing it and working hard, but you just there's no there's no educational form that's going to really, I mean, yeah, doctors, stuff like that. You have to learn things about whether law or the body or, you know, that, right. that, yeah, of course. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, there is no school for entrepreneurship other than the school of, of experience right. and hard knocks. Um, and ideally uh, modeling, right. And that's where, you know, this show comes into play is that this is an opportunity to model entrepreneurs, successful people find out what they did that's different than the person who doesn't succeed. Like how, how did you navigate your way is valuable information because there are people who maybe are right now, I mean, have some experience in radio, have experience in personality and all that. And then they're going, oh my gosh, things have changed. The whole, you know, the, the whole climate has changed and you know, and there's probably someone who may have just had a job and they're going, Oh, I want to start now. I want to start my own thing. And we can expose people to some of the patterns, some of the behaviors, some of the mindsets, some of the beliefs necessary to create the, the level of success that they're, they're going for. Uh, What was your favorite thing to do uh, when you were in that world? Was it the interviews? Was it the radio? Was it the, um, like what, what, was, um, what brought you the most joy? And even recently, I, I do, I, I, I'm a national host. I do a national convention for a big uh, marketing group. Um, one of my most favorite, and this is what ended up bringing me to what I, a couple of years ago, I, I started to make the decision of what I figured was going to be that transition into the next. Um, I love live audiences. So whenever you put me on a stage in front of people, um, it's, it's the best energy on the planet. Um, I never really loved radio because I, I never had a face for radio. <laughs> Jokingly. Um, I always said it, if people, as many people who heard me saw my face, a lot more people would recognize me because when, when people, when I would, you know, have conversations and then, you know, we'd go, Oh, what do you do? And oh, I work in radio. Oh, who are you? Oh, Chris Cruz. Like, Oh my God, I heard you. You know, so because they never see you technically, unless they go to the website and they look up your bio, or whatever. But being live, I mean, even like last year when I got to Vegas and I hosted in front of like six thousand people, and you know, walking into the room and and you know, getting kind of like my you know my run of show, my script, and then you know, getting mic'd up and that whole like vibe is just like you get out there and you know, the voice of God says you're, you presents you and you. You know, everybody's, you know, it's just, and people are just excited and they're motivated and they're, you know, it, there's nothing like it. Um, I had it two, about three, two years ago, three years ago, I had a really awesome opportunity um, to be a stage manager, but also be the voice of God for the 10X Growth Conference for Grant Cardone. And um, it was pretty cool because it, I think it was the first time that, well, I mean, I've, I've hosted like Jingle Ball and stuff, but hearing my voice for the period of three days of, as the voice of God at the Mandalay Bay arena, introducing like Grant Cardone, Ty Lopez, Damon John. Um, and it's funny because if I was able to show you the video, I always ask people, do you think I did that live or do you think that I did it in a room? And funny enough, um, when I recorded it, even though when you hear it, 
on the video, um, I, this video was particularly for uh, Russell Brunson, and Russell ended up using this particular clip. Um, matter of fact, can I show you the clip? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to show you because it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to share, and I think it'll, uh, you got it. Oh, I gotta, I gotta give you, uh, do you have permission or do I have to give you permission? You gotta, I think you got to give me permission. Let you know. So letting you do it now? Uh, yep. And share. So let's go here. Can you see me? Yep. And as I was trying to get into this space, which is the speaking space, and, and I'll, I'll tell you the rest of the story and how I got here. Um, for me, it was such an amazing opportunity because I started watching a lot of these guys and getting familiar who they were. And then it's almost like the law of attraction, you know, knew that I was searching for it. And then it, it, then it presented itself to me. Um, which, by the way, if you go to Chris Cruz Live on YouTube, you can check out this video. This is the video. Uh, we're not hearing it. Ten years, this man has built a following of entrepreneurs in the millions. He sold hundreds of thousands of his books, popularized the concept sales funnels. He's co-founded the software company ClickFunnels that has gone to over 100 million and 55,000 customers in just three years. He is the king of funnels, the internet's favorite entrepreneur, affiliate marketing genius, container of expert secrets. He is an American storyteller. Ladies and gentlemen, bring to the stage with a thunderous tenant's applause, Mr. Russell Brunson. Nice. So, so you, that, that was pre-recorded? That was, so yeah, so funny, um, I, they ended up giving me this little box with a microphone and they're like, all right, can you just take the script? Because I was also a stage manager. I, my buddy did all the production, so he's like, hey, because he knew that I was kind of getting into this world. And he goes, hey, we're doing Grant's thing in Vegas. I know you're going to, and I was hosting my other event the week before, so it just worked out. And he's like, you know, do you want to, um, do you want to come and, uh, did you get back to you? Okay, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to come to be the stage manager? Because he knew I did production, or whatever. And then, and it happened to be he's like, "Hey, Grant's actually asking for voiceover. We don't have anybody that can do it, but you do radio, right?" So like, you do. <laughs> so I did it. So I'm literally in like one of the locker rooms, and I'm like screaming at the top of my lungs. A couple times, people open the door, like, "You okay?" And um, it's like, "Yeah, I'm good." I I, I must have recorded some of those like like eight or ten times each. But the funny thing is, I ended up doing the the 30 day click funnel challenge with Russell. And day five, I think it was, on the challenge, he plays that video. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's me. <laughs> I was like, I didn't get any royalties for that. Right? Did you sign <laughs> so, them away or was it, uh, were you able to renegotiate it? No, no, that, I, no because I, I, that was really kind of just like a random deal that I did, you know, when yeah. I was on site with my, my buddy with production company. So, yeah, it was, but it's, you know, I, I love being on stage. I love, um, I love live audiences. It's just, I just, it's my, it's been my life. Live audiences has been part of, you know, every part of my being since I can remember. Um, and I don't, when I truthfully ask myself, well, what do I want to continue? I wanted to continue doing that just on a different level. And that's where the power of re started to kind of form. Um, 
where I said, okay, I want to speak and I, I want to be able to travel and do these events, but I want to do it with substance now because I, I love everything that I've done and it's been ex an exciting career and, and, and I've had so many awesome opportunities, but it wasn't doing anything for me anymore. I mean, even when I started my company, like I was so excited to just start a company that I did whatever I needed to do to do it and I did it. And then I realized like, okay, well, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not, it wasn't fulfilling me. And radio wasn't fulfilling me anymore. And, you know, interviewing, you know, Kim Kardashian and celebrities wasn't doing it much for me anymore either. And the power of re kind of came from the thought process of, I'm almost 40, married, kids, coming out of a business, now I have a degree. What do I do next? <laughs> like, what is going to make me happy, fulfill me? And, and, and I remember waking up at like four o'clock in the morning one night and I was praying about it. And it's like, I felt like God just started feeding me this information about resetting. I, I started to research what re is. And I don't know if you know what re is, but the prefix of re means again and anew. To reset means to set anew or to start again, meaning at point zero point zero zero. And the, the challenge, or not even the challenge, but the reality is that is a very difficult thing because most people, know they don't want to reset. Tell somebody they got to start over and to, to do it properly, start over from the beginning is very difficult because mentally your, your conscious is probably going to conflict with your limited beliefs in your subconscious and he's, we can't start over, you know? And that's why a lot of people who, who um, get a divorce and get remarried usually have sometimes, I don't know, I mean, I don't know statistics in divorce, but um, have the same issues because they never, they, they kind of jump back and they jump into a new relationship at 30%, you know? Well, and, and because they haven't renewed themselves, they end up attracting the same person that they were before. They just have a different face. Yeah. So they end up having the same relationship again. And they do that with their relationships. They do that with jobs. I mean, I'm sure you know people who have, you know, they get to a point and then they find their adversary at work or whatever. And they're like, oh, take this job and shove it, right? Uh, and then they, they uh, go to a new job. And then in short order, they're in the same position again. Because wherever you go, there you are. And unless you change who you are, you will continue to attract what you've been attracting. Yeah, and, uh, and what I've learned in, you know, putting all the information together, and I've looked at a lot of the scientific data, um, I looked at a lot of the, the biblical spiritual um, components, because they all, they all, whether you're spiritual or not, if you look at, you know, so many aspects that are, you know, scriptures that are in the Bible, they're relative to what science is saying, and the truth is that when you start to look at the, you know, the brain, and I, I follow like Joe Dispenza, Dr. Bruce mm -hmm. Lipton, Caroline Leaf, um, there's a lot of studies coming out now that has to do exactly with the mind. And the reason why motivation is garbage, the reality, that's just a term. If you don't reprogram your thought process and you don't do it in repetition and repetitively over a course of time, then it's like exercising. You can't expect to go to the gym, you know, for a day and lose weight and have muscle. You got to go, you know, five days a week for the next. Oh, you mean you don't eat a salad once and you're healthy? <laughs> No, <laughs> I lift one. I, I I lifted a weight. Come on, I should be. Uh, where's my six pack? Yeah, exactly. Um, the 
So it's been interesting really understanding, like at first when I started watching, you know, several years ago, started like tuning into like discovering, you know, the Tony Robbins of the world, Eric Thomas, Les Brown, you know, listening to these videos. And at first I was getting all hyped up, but then I realized that the hype was like very short term, you know, almost like having a drink or, or getting, you know, getting, you know, getting high. And it's like, it lasts you for, you know, a, 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 a moment and then it's gone. So the question was, how do, you, how do you figure out how to understand really what makes you happy and how do you sustain what that's going to look like? And it's a process. So one of the things that I started putting together with Reset was Reset, Rethink, Restart, right? Humans need, we need to be given some sort of structure. What I think that the community and the industry in that world is not doing the best of they, you know, they, they write all these books, they do a lot of this talking, and, and, and a lot of it is, is kind of, and no disrespect to the community, but um, it, it's one directional. Um, and it's, well, this is how I got famous. This is how I think you can get rich and successful. You need to do it this way. Where as, as human beings, right, not human was, not human will be, we're human beings, you know, everybody thinks in a different manner because our subconscious programming already has certain things that it, it, on a daily basis, it's already dictating our reality. So how can you take one method and use that method to change your course if that method may not work for you? It might work for Jim and John and Billy and mm -hmm. Tony and whatever, but it may not work for you. So I said, well, one of the things that I, I always noticed is I wasn't really left with any real thing to say, okay, well, then how do I do it? Like, you're telling me this is what you do to be famous, whatever, but you're not really giving me like a, like a blueprint, a game plan. And, or you're giving me the game plan and it's so specific to how you did it, it's not really aligning itself the way that may work for me. You know, whether it's the way I take in information, the way I, you know, I just am. So the idea of, as we're producing this course, is not out yet. It's, it's, it's being, you know, we're still working through everything, but um, everything is RE. Um, it's under, you know, people say the power of words. It's really understanding words. Funny enough, I was going to do a post uh, the year before last for New Year's, a New Year's resolution post. Well, the word resolution means to basically to resolve or not resolve something. So yeah, resolute. You're all, yeah. <laughs> you're almost making a decision like, well, I may or may not lose weight or I may or may not stop smoking. So if words are that powerful, which I believe that they are because you're inputting those words into your brain and, and, and your brain is just going to, you know, um, react the where the word the brain has the data to react. Starting to understand what the words actually meant became very significant. And when I found out what re meant, like everything has re. Think about it. Mean, I'm tailoring a lot of what I do around the whole re concept. But as I was starting to play with it, I, I started to really notice so many people, pastors, speakers, motivators, coaches, using the re in, 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 in bulks, like rebuild, restructure, relive, start your life over again. So the power of re ultimately we reset, rethink, restart. That's the first part of the way you should look at it. So when you reset, I, uh, and it's some of it's, and I felt like it was given to me, but it's, it's, it's a little bit numerology in a way without me planning it, but it's three levels down and then seven levels across. Under re, uh, reset, you have to have a reason, right? And a lot of this stuff is typical information. I'm just kind of repackaging it. 
So of course, I mean, there, there is the, the one thing about this industry and when we get into personal development from the Bible to, you know, any book that that's out there, we're all in our own way saying the same thing is in the outcome of improving our lives, rebuilding, resetting, reinventing, recreating, all of that. And the truth is, is that people are going to find their, their person and go, oh, okay, cool. All right, they, they're speaking. They put it in a language like school. You know, there's that one teacher that, that, you know, you connect with and you go, ah, cool. They explained it in a way that I get. And yeah. it's not that someone else wasn't sharing similar. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what's great that's about. With, that's with, you know, pastors. That's with salespeople. Yeah. That's with, you're just going to, you're going to relate to somebody that makes sense for you. And right. in some cases it's, um, what's the word I'm forgetting? Not economical. Uh, like certain people who relate to, let's say, you know, um, well, Tony's, Tony's on his, on his own level, but um, with Grant, you know, Grant, you're going to get a lot of real estate people, a lot of, you know, financial people, like that's his thing. And then Eric Thomas, you know, he's, he's gets a lot of people that are into sports and the sporting people of the world. Right. So yeah, but when, so reset, you have to have a reason. Then there's seven words under that, that relate to what, how do you establish your reason? And the cool thing is that, you know, the power of re is going to be so evergreen in the sense that whatever you reset now could be different than what you might reset at the end of the year, what you might reset next summer. But whether it's a, it's a small reset or it's a hard reset, I, what happens that I believe to be true is people don't know how to dissect what their reset could be. They just don't know how to like, okay, I know I need to change. I know I want a new job. I know maybe I'm having problems in my marriage. I need to recommit. You know, but how do, I, how do I establish like how to get there? So reset, reason, um, rethink, which is like, okay, well, what do I need to put together to, to figure out how to fix the reason? And then restart is actually launching and taking, taking you know, action to setting mm-hmm. a goal. Um, I started to do research, you know, trying to understand 21 days, 30 days, like, you know, what, like what's the hype? Um, come to find out, Dr. Caroline Leaf, they're saying that now it takes approximately 63 cons- consecutive days of repetition to truly start reprogramming the processes of how your mind thinks and establishing new neuropathways, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. So for me, I start- it starts to become real fascinating um, because all that stuff makes sense. Law of attraction, it does make sense. Um, if you, you know, you look at it from a biblical perspective, you know, in the Bible it says, you know, uh, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be open unto you. That's law of attraction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Jesus yep. is actually even saying like, hey, if you just seek, you're going to be it's the universe. It's, it's the universe. It's God. It's however, whatever perspective and whatever words or titles you want to put on certain things. It's all this. It's everything is working in a weird way. Um, so the power of reading, my goal is to be able to take that and I'm going through the process myself, even as I'm developing it of setting a new course and separating myself from, you know, Chris Cruz, radio personality, you know, you know, <laughs> DJ um, to what I want the next level and season of my life to be. And, and what I would hope to do is uh, filter out all the, 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 the stuff um, and then hopefully develop something that has substance and value 
And, you know, as a father now, I hope to leave a legacy for my children. But more importantly, if I can leave with a contribution to the world that, you know, was helpful and an asset, then that's real. And it's hard. It's, it's, it hasn't been easy because I'm still fighting with my own internal demons and, and the challenges of life. And, and then obviously with Corona and protesting and, and everything else, it's like, I try not to watch some of that stuff sometimes because then it gets into your, your programming mm-hmm. and then it starts to say that the world is crazy and, you know, what's the use? Um, and we can't think like that. Yeah, that's, and that's such a fine line because on one level, you know, when things are going on like that, it's like, okay, I'm going to jump out of a plane. Uh, I got to make sure I'm wearing a parachute. Um, yeah. So there's, there, there's a necessity to have awareness and I completely agree, spending our time uh, focused on all of that is going to take us out of the game because that's going to program into our minds. I mean, and unfortunately, I believe that that's, we're seeing right now the programming um, manifest the expectations of what certain people should have or not have. Like you shared earlier, you know, some people don't, well, here's the thing. I, it's, I don't think that there, there are some people who are clear. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be, you know, have that level of opulence, that level of, of success. And I think though that Andy Warhol, huh? I think that's a fear. A fear of success. Yeah. Or people just, They've been programmed when they were little that their parents said, you know, you just need to work hard and don't worry about trying to be a millionaire, you know, and. and well, right. But then they see we want, you know, like, you know, all these reality shows and, and we're conditioned to making sure our picture is taken just right to look perfect. And and the, the, the marketing of ourselves and that everybody's going, hey, I'm a brand, too. What's my brand on Facebook? Such to the point. Have you seen that meme where it's like, here's my picture for Instagram. Here's my picture for LinkedIn. Here's my picture for <laughs> Facebook. Here's my picture for TikTok. Here's my picture for Tinder, right? And that yeah. is a branding marketing conversation and how conditioned we are to the optics yeah. and how things are going to look. And we're seeing it right now with, you know, with the, the protesting and the positioning and, you know, all of that, which is bizarre. But at the, at the end of the day, I think that there is, I think Warhol was right. Everybody wants their 15 minutes um, and it gets very complicated because I think other than consciously, yes, we have the, the, the programming we had and then we also have the, um, well, if I get to that level of success, then it's going to require more work. I'm going to have to work harder yet at the same time, they see people like you make it look easy and then they go, ah. Oh, well, I should, all I need to do is just, you know, write a book. And then all of a sudden I'm, you know, all I need to do is call up a radio station and then they're going to give me a job or, you know, because they're not seeing the, the length and yeah. the consistency because on television, you know, like you'd never buy a, a diet pill that said, or a program that said, uh, this program is going to be extraordinarily challenging. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. You're going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to take at least 63 days in order to get results. And you're like, oh, and, and, and then another one says, all you got to do is uh, five minutes a day. And even that, it's only three days a week. Yeah. You go, oh, I want that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny because I, I kind of I got sucked into that rabbit hole of – and this is probably like a little less than a year ago, um, 
all these guys on, on YouTube, like every time I, I, I get into a video, it's like, hey, 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 all right, so you wanna learn, you see this stack of cash right here? I'm gonna tell you to make $100,000 in just 24 hours, and you don't have to do anything, and you can work from the beach. <laughs> That's just, I don't know if you've ever seen this, this is drive, I've seen this before, I'm sure you probably have seen it. You ever see a car like in, in a parking lot, and it's like a beat up car, beat up a truck or whatever and it says you know work part-time from home and make five thousand dollars a week and i'm like <laughs> okay you you took some shoe paint but if you're making five thousand dollars a week you wouldn't be driving that car yeah but you know but to also go back to what you said earlier about the whole you know filter instagram TikTok, um you know science and 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 there has been the data of people coming out that that that's part of a whole, you know, warfare, a manipulation, mm -hmm. utilizing our dopamine, you know, and our brains. That's an algorithm. And every time we're seeing these things, it's, it's telling our brain, like, ooh, we feel good. Ooh, that, I got 17 more likes. And ooh, yep. you know. Um, it's, it's actually, the internet like, is on the DSM-5 as a diagnostic, in the diagnostic tool for, um, you know, for addiction. Um, the internet and social media is now uh, in the DSM-5 as a diagnosis, as a, an addiction that is treatable. Yeah. And it's an addiction. Yeah. It really is. Um, you know, so, and, you know, and I, I know you've worked in the, the, in the, that industry before, you know, um, I try to tell people, you can't downplay one addiction for another because you might look at somebody who has an alcohol addiction or an eating disorder. Um, it's the same mental breakdown that's happening for somebody mm -hmm. who, who literally can sit on their Facebook feed or Instagram feed for an hour and a half and never look up. Yep. Um, and they just literally just, and I, you know, I, I've seen people like that and it's, just, it's messing around with the same, you know, brain mechanisms that, you know, when somebody gets a, a subs, substance addiction, yep. it's the same thing. It's, it's, well, it's, and it's, it's more the dopamine and whereas yeah. serotonin is actually produced when you accomplish something that's more internal, whereas dopamine is getting it from the external experiences. When we work hard, when we put in effort, when we challenge ourselves, that's when serotonin kicks in, which is more sustainable and is actually healthier for us rather than, you know, the, the addiction to dopamine. Um, you know, it's I mean, to call someone a dope. I mean, it's where it came from. Someone's just like being dopey because their brain, they're not thinking when they're filled with, uh, with dopamine. And so if I say, yo kid, that was dope. Is that different? Uh, maybe, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, again, and, and talking about language, like when you just shared that, I think, you know, we have an interesting experience with our relationship with language because while it is, especially the English language is the most flexible and most action oriented. It's also language is very limiting because then it creates a box through which, and we each have different relationships with a word anyway, right? Because you could say, um, you know, I'm angry and that could have uh, one meaning to you. Someone else could say I'm angry and it could have like a whole web of meanings to it. And that's what's challenging about it because very often we can't help it. We have our model of the world. And when someone says something and they use the same words we use, they're saying something very different internally. It's, it's, so it's, yeah. it's quite no, a quagmire. It, it is a perception. I mean, for example, what I've noticed recently, and I actually saw two different groups of people 
yesterday at my visit to Walmart getting into a confrontation about this whole, this is where I also think there's a manipulation in the higher levels of our world of this whole six foot distance stuff where people like, if you're not six feet, I was on a plane, I was getting on a plane from Colorado Sunday and the lady in front of me and I was rushing on a plane. I get on, I get on the little walking thingy and I'm just rushing. I went from one place to the other. I'm wearing the damn mask. I'm sweating. I'm just like, I'm annoyed. And I, I don't know, I was maybe like four feet away from the lady in front of me. And then she steps to the side and she goes, do you just want to go? You know? And I'm like, no, I'm not in any rush. She goes, well, you're not six feet. And I'm like, you're about to get on a plane. We're like, and you might be sitting next to me. Yeah. And you're about three and a half feet away from just the one little seat in the middle that's separating you from the other person. And you have, but this is, it's a mental thing. Mm-hmm. You really think if you had such a problem about being six feet away from somebody, then order curbside, pick it up outside, you know, or don't get on a plane. But or move yourself a little bit. Huh? Or, or she could have moved herself two feet. Yeah. Yeah, she could have. <laughs> but it's just, I, it really just goes back to, and this is what I'm excited about, what I want to do with Reset is to build awareness of not really, I mean, of course, of science and everything around this, but also to have people just become more engaged on learning who you are because that's the only person that you can control and fix. Mm-hmm. And even in relationships, like a, a therapist will say, you know what, I'm going to just try to fix the husband or the wife because I can't fix them both. If I fix the one, then hopefully what they do will help manipulate the other one and then it'll start to work. But, you know, a lot of the people who really speak truth are the ones that, that say, like, until you fix you, nothing else around you is going to change. So the hardest part, I think, is just, like I said earlier, dissecting what your reason is what that next level of your life could look like. And then you kind of, it's almost like a diet and coming up with like a nutrition, you know, plan. You have to break it down and like lay it out or putting a puzzle together. Like I don't, I haven't put a puzzle together in a while, but what do you do when you put a puzzle together? You put a puzzle. And normally I think what I do is I take the corners and put the corners out. Well, first thing you got to have the vision. You got to have the picture. Yeah, because pictures in front of you, (laughs) the life's a mess. It's all scattered in front of you. Like, okay, I know what I, and and you're right, because that's part of the law of attraction. You got to have this somewhat, this goal of where you're going to get to, to even attempt to get there. Mm -hmm. But it is mental. I remember when I, when I ran my marathon, that in the last like four miles, it became straight up mental. I mean, unless you're a seasoned marathon runner, it was all, it was all mental at that point. Mm-hmm. If I didn't kind of stay out of my head and stay focused on just running, getting to the end, getting to the end, getting to the end, getting to the end, I would have never made it because my physical body was like, stop, we're dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, and the, 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 for me, the most exciting part of, you know, getting to this new chapter and, and developing and coming out of some spiritual warfare, the stuff that I've dealt with and all the things that I've, I've been through is it's given me a new passion and a new drive and a new reason to challenge myself, you know, because you get to that point where you just get so like, you know, and, and speaking of reset, you know, with all this coronavirus stuff, a lot of people have been thrown a massive curveball and they've been given a, a, a hard life reset and now mm-hmm. they got to figure out what to do. You know, maybe you worked at a nightclub and now what do you do? Maybe you worked at a restaurant and you made all your money, but now, you're working, you know, 
five hours a week versus 40 hours a week. Um, you know, some businesses right now are completely crushed and yep. they have to reset and figure out, you know, what can I do next? But that's going to, it takes, I think it just takes, you got to break it down a little bit and then kind of look at it, um, like putting a puzzle together, kind of look at it and consider your vision of what the future is going to look like and then look at the pieces in front of you and say, okay, how do I, how do I put this thing together and how do I make it work and how do I make this look like that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, d- dude. <laughs> I mean, again, we're, uh, we're painting the same square, right? We all use different colored markers. There's only, yeah. but the square is a square. Some yeah. of us use, you know, different colors. Some of us use a pencil or a pen or a paintbrush or what have you. At the end of the day, all, lo- all roads lead to Rome, right? Yeah. And one of the, the, you know, the things you shared earlier when you, you talked about, you know, the Bible, you know, asking you shall receive and seeking you shall find. Um, that is so true because our brains, we have this, you know, RAS, articular activator system, which, you know, when you, so a thing happens, right? So you go, let's, let's say you bought a car. And at the time when you bought it, you're like, oh, this is like, I've never seen it before. It's, it's new, it's special, it's unique. And then as soon as you drive off the lot, everybody's got them. Right now, that's what's our, I mean, this, the phone, Facebook algorithms are an RAS. It's a digital RAS because when you engage in some, oh, screw this guy, this, that, or whatever, Facebook algorithm goes, oh, you want more. And it provides more of that. So what we need to do is as we're working on this is, you know, and, and then again, using the Bible to whom much is given, much is expected, much is required that choice. What are we going to choose to focus on? Are we going to choose on to focus on the opportunities to reset, to rethink, to restart, to reboot, right? Which is, as you shared earlier, you, you refuse to stay in the victim mentality, right? And cause that's a choice. Yep. And unfortunately, I think what, what happens, we get conditioned to, when we talk about the programming, I think a lot of us, and, and this is typical in personal development world, is a lot of people get conditioned to being a victim. They get rewarded for being a victim. And then it's hard to break out of that because then if I'm not a victim, now I have to take personal responsibility. And if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, I have to then take responsibility rather than blame someone else and then expect someone else to fix it. And part of the, the resetting and the rethinking is changing that philosophy, that mindset, taking personal responsibility, and then taking the steps necessary, whether it be anything from the meditation to, you know, like the, figuring out what that's going to be for each person. Because, some people are going to find, you know, like as an example, I love Tony and I, he became my mentor because I love the high energy, the music, the breakthroughs. And like, I'm very, my events and Heidi's like, we're very high energy with breakthroughs and tons of music and all that where other people love Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe is not super high energy. It's all, you know, a lot of meditation and, you know, working at it that way. And they both work. And it's great well, to combine. Not only about, you know, when you relate to certain people, certain people right. just, it, it works. But the other thing too is, um, is, you know, we're programmed to be habitual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I've read some, some studies and I, and I try to, I try to mess around with it once in a while because, you know, if, if you really were conscious every single day, when you put on your shoes or you take a shower, we, we do literally everything in the same repetitive manner. 
every single day because it's your brain. It just knows. And sometimes yeah, try putting your pants on the other leg first. Yeah. And I joke about it sometimes. Like, oh, there I go. Washing the right arm again. The same way I did yesterday. <laughs> oh, there I go. Washing my left arm again. The same way I did yesterday. And it, 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 they, in some cases, it'll, it'll tell you just, just on a funny level, just the, the, the hardest part is becoming, having the ability to catch it often. Right. When you start to catch it often, then you can start to figure out if you wanted to kind of reprogram it. But the coolest thing about it that I think is the neatest thing is that you start to really be present and you start to notice exactly what's happening. And that's the craziest thing about the brain. And we were having a conversation and I saw somebody doing a study. They said, how is it that a person who's completely wasted get home? Drive, drive home. Shouldn't be driving, not endorsing that. How do they get home? They get home because the subconscious mind already knows the programming since you started driving when you were 16. Okay. And you might really F this up along the way. And that's usually what happens because your physical and your mental are not 100% in alignment, but your, your subconscious, okay, well, we just turn the key, the key in, we sit down and you know, turn the thing on. Mm-hmm. And it knows, your brain knows how to get home because it's already got that, it's got that program in there. It knows, okay, I got to go down this street, go down the street. And now whether you get there safely or not is a whole different, you know, perspective but it was it was astonishing to me because they kind of did a study and they were trying to make sense of well how do people get up in the morning and say i don't even remember getting them well, you didn't have to remember because your subconscious mind did remember yep but it's scary but that's well, the reality of how your brain really is thinking yeah we spend most of our time in trance not like out of so like while i you know i hypnosis right i got hypnotic i i am board certified in hypnosis the truth is most of the work i'm doing is taking people out of trance because that's it. We're in that habit of doing things. I mean, think about it. How many times if it, like people who have a job and they go to a certain, like their job is there, like using the car as the example. And then, and then they drive halfway to work and they go, oh, I'm not going to work today. I got to go the other direction. I was headed towards, uh, you know, I, I got to go shopping or whatever it is because we just get in the car, oh, get in there. And that, yeah, that's the key. And the successful people and, and what you're sharing is they catch the habits that are non-supportive and create new habits that are going to be supportive to their ultimate outcome. Yeah. And then make those more successful habits their habitual routine right. on a daily basis. And the, the whole thing that I've learned is, is just is catching that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what you're doing is amazing because with hypnosis, I think it's one of the one of three major opportunities that you have to reprogram. Right. The, the coolest thing that I've learned and the thing with, I think with reset or just in life in general, however, however you decide to go down that path, if you decide, you know, changing your life for whatever manner, you know, good or bad, or really, is that we do have the ability to reprogram. Mm-hmm. So if I can say one of the, you know, anything to say on this, on this call, is that something to, to, it's almost like when you're reborn, you know, in, in Christianity and I'm a Christian, being reborn is being able to like just shut everything down, throw it to the side and starting over again. And that's a spiritual reset. But if Renew you can the just mind. know that you have the capacity within you to, to just start over, like start over. You could be 60 years old and whatever, and you've always wanted to start a fried chicken restaurant. Go do it. But what most people are going to be doing, I'm six years old. You're not dead. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, go do, go do that, you know, or go, go get a job at Kentucky Fried Chicken and just be around it for a little bit. And then you might realize, like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but right. the cool thing is that you can reprogram, you know, and, and, and again, no disrespect to certain addictions or whatever, but a lot of the stuff that is implemented now to helping prevent I don't truly believe that a lot of different things and all the different stuff is, and I don't want to say any one, one particular, but I don't truly believe a lot of it works because until you can accept it here and are willing to change it, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta want to. And what happens is most people, besides the chemical imbalances, most people never really want to, so they'll never really change. And that's, that's just the issue. Unless you they don't get what they're other than consciously getting in return for those behaviors. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, with all the work that I did in addiction and one of the things that we realized is, and, and I'm not diagnosing or undiagnosing anybody. See, drugs and alcohol are the solution. They're not the problem. Um, as is shopping, sex, gambling, food, what have you. It's, it's all meeting certain needs. But the more I worked with people, the, I realized, like, you know what? It looks to me like even, you know, again, not diagnosing, undiagnosing anybody, but clinical depression oftentimes is someone simply addicted to depression. Their body is wired to it. They're getting the dopamine and and all that. Even though it doesn't feel good, it's still adrenaline. It's still getting some stuff happening and they're getting secondary gains. They're getting reinforced. They're getting continued conditioning to it. I remember uh, I was working with uh, a client and I was doing a thing and in, in, um, we we're using values and, and uh, rules and so forth. And the, guy, the kid shared as we were unpacking stuff, his most important um, values most like was love. He wanted to feel love, right? And that's for most people, that's ultimately if we break it down. But then I asked him, okay, so how do you know you're loved? How do you know you're, you're loved? And he said, uh, he goes, oh, when my, when my parents are disappointed in me. <laughs> he said, when my parents are disappointed in me or when my parents get upset with me. Yeah, so they're carrying a lot of that stuff from when yeah, they so kids. That programming was the way I know I feel love is when my parents are upset because that was how he realized that they cared. That didn't come out until we, other than con- we yeah. started doing the work, other than conscious, because, oh my gosh, wow, that's, that I have this other than conscious programming, which I would then go out and create situations to disappoint my parents so then I would know that I was loved. Yeah, and then you have that acceptance. And right. then you carry that all the way through. So if you never resolve that, um, you're, you're going to, that'll be an issue, an underlining issue for a very long time. I am, I, um, I, started to go to a buddy of mine in Miami he has a company called um, Pathways and he does neuro pathway algorithm kind of um, reprogramming and we the first test that I did was about three and a half hours long and we do full like brain scan and some people just like that's crazy that's not gonna work you're gonna like get radiation but at one point he's reading all these numbers it's just numbers it's all algorithm like numbers and stuff and he's looking and he's and he was pinpointing stuff like within like a year. He goes, when you were about 17, did you have some, some, tra- some traumatic like head concussion or something? And I remember that something in that time frame had happened. I said, yeah. And then he 
it was really weird, but he went to just before I was born. And he goes, for some reason, you have a fear. He was like a fear of like, that I had a fear of entering life in, in the fetal stage. And whatever it was, it could have been that, you know, that my, and my parents is divorced, but it could have been, because I was probably around the time that they got divorced. And it could have been that there was altercations and arguments mm-hmm. and stuff happening that, you know, but how crazy is it that your brain is that powerful? Oh, it that stores it, it all. It remembers every, every, when I, the stuff that I've learned, it remembers everything, everything. Even anything that you, that's why like even biblically it says, you know, watch, be careful what you, what you see and what you let your, your mind, your eyes retain Mm -hmm. because everything is just, it's just getting stored away. And which goes to some of the stuff that they talk about, you know, when you die, that your whole life is going to flash in front of you. It's because it's going to be literally like one quick replay. (laughs) Right. That would be a little scary. (laughs) Well, and I think that brings you to back to the point earlier where you shared, you know, like not watching the news too much and all of that because it's just, you know, embedding those thoughts, those negativities, those emotions, and especially depending how it makes you feel, that's people get addicted to watching the news. They get addicted to the drama. They get addicted to all of that. And then they take it into their lives and then they yell at people for being four feet away instead of six. Well, it's how you, it's how you start. I used to watch, I used to watch the Today Show religiously. 7 a.m., the little sound, da, 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 da. and then it would say, today, today, there's a bombing here, and somebody was shot there, and somebody was kidnapped. And then it's like, okay, great. I'm going to get my coffee, jump in the shower. And, and um, Jim Rohn also talks about, you know, in his earlier days, you know, he would get up and he would read the newspaper, right? The, the more classic version of, of television media. And, you know, in the headlines of the newspaper would be somebody got killed, you know, the stock market crashed. And, and he goes, and that's how I would start my whole day with a whole bunch of negative information. You know, whereas if you listen to a lot more powerful people now, you know, whether it's like the Les Browns and Tony's just giving the common ones, you should have a ritual each morning. Like, I don't even, in my own little world, I don't do the hour thing, you know, like that power hour type stuff, but because I don't really have the time, um, I should, but. I, I do like my little prayers and, and I'm like, you know, thank you for today. Um, you know, today's going to be great. It's going to be positive. And I try to get going with that. I get in the shower. I usually take my phone. I throw on whatever video, some sort of motivational 10 minute thing. And on the background, that's all the stuff that's playing. And even when I'm at the gym, I'm never, I never really listen to music at the gym. I'm always listening to somebody speaking, some, some coaching something. Cause even if I phase out, well, what's happening? Even if I face out, my brain is still taking in all the, all the megabytes of that. Mm-hmm. So well, that's how I sleep I wearing headphones. headphones. That's why that's hypnosis is, that's, that's exactly what hypnosis is. Yep. But you just reprogram. And I've done that for a lot of things, you know, even with, you know, some stress and anxiety and, and um, some of the sleeping self-hypnosis stuff is awesome. It, but yep. it, takes, it takes a little bit. The one thing that's a challenge for me is my brain is constantly like, always thinking my biggest challenge was like to just settle my mind and to just be and then be present and allow that particular hypnotic session to to connect because there has to be that there is a there is and you know this yeah. but people who don't get it or it's hard for them to meditate or even be it, it's not about hypnosis is not some weird stuff that you become a zombie and you start jumping like a dog and stuff. <laughs> All right, that's stage hypnosis, which is a different right, thing. I jumped out of, I, I mean, I popped out of like mid-level hypnosis, like 40 minutes in and all of a sudden, like I have to get up or something. And I, and I kind of 
lift right right out of where I was and just kind of get right back into present reality. And, you know, it's kind of a rude awakening when that happens, but it is sometimes. But well, it works. The, on, my, on my program, the hypnosis that I have, I also, the music is embedded with binaural beats. So yeah. it's also helping lower the brain waves anyway, um, just to speed the process up, even though it's each session is 25 to 40 minutes. Um, and they're all, you know, anyway, but yeah, it's, it is a practice whether you're doing, you know, meditation and that's why I do these guided meditations. Cause to just sit quietly, it's even harder because your, your brain yeah. does go all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So if you at least have something to focus on, that gives you the ability to allow yourself to let go because you're focused on the one thing and allowing the others to, to fade out. Yeah. And funny enough, one thing that I've learned in recent, um, as I've been working on all these different things is that speaking of binaural and I don't, I'm not sure how many, if how many people are listening, understand what binaural is, but you know, I've learned the, the I think it's four or five levels of, Waves, so you have mm -hmm. alpha, beta, you know, delta. Delta. Um, uh, often now, I literally put on like, you know, one, two, three hour sessions of depending like, you know, alpha binaural or to work. So I'll literally just put on my headset and the way my brain functions, to me, it's, it's the word I'm looking for. I, it's like I need it, right? It, it balances my brain activity because then otherwise what happens is, and I don't know if that's, you know, ADHD or all that other garbage stuff out there, but um, unfortunately, I guess that's how, that's how we process. So for me, sometimes I process better and maybe because I'm overthinking, it allows my brain to like, okay, work over here, listening to the beats while I'm actually working on something over here. And, you know, whether the left and the right hemisphere of the mind are kind of, I mean, they say you should be working collectively, but it's, I don't know how that's possible. That's a whole method of, of getting your brain to work in uniform. <laughs> well, again, I think the, all of this is part of the journey and we're, each of us are going to have our own strategies to get to the same outcome. Yeah. Um, and I think like you shared earlier, it's, when you dig into different ways, like, you know, you, you, I use the example sometimes of if you just find one strategy, you end up, um, you ever go to the gym and you see the, the guys who like just only do upper body. Yeah. You know, so they look like lollipops, right? They got these big arms and stuff and, and, you know, and, and then like little tiny legs uh, or a, a funnier version of that. And to get a little naughty, uh, you know, family guy, uh, I know Joe Family Guy. You know, yeah. So there's a show, fam fam Family Guy, and Quagmire is like this sex addict guy, and uh, they let him know about the internet and how there's porn on the internet. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? And like, oh, yeah, you could get, you know, anything that you want on there. And he's like, really? And then he disappears. He never, he, for day, like weeks, he doesn't show up and like, oh, we got to go check on him. They go knock on the door and they, they're like, Hey, where are you? And he comes in. He's like all disheveled. His face is like all grown in and stuff. And like, Quagmire, what have you been doing? He's like, uh, I, 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 I don't know. And then they just do a, a little, you know, he's like, yeah, I've been busy. And they like, then do a cutaway to his one side. Like he looks normal. Like he just sees little one arm and then he turns and he's got his right arm is like all jacked. And he's like, <laughs> 
obviously been busy, but if we only work the one muscle, we're not in balance. So it's not just diet, it's diet and exercise. It's not just meditation, it's meditation and action. It's not just visualization, it's visualization and tying it to purpose. Like it's, it's more than one thing. And it's also really beneficial to find multiple teachers because they're going to have a level of expertise that allows you to get to a certain level. And then you go, Oh, now I get what so-and-so is saying. Oh, wow. And then you just keep going back and, you know, well, you know, to the next level. It's also the willingness to, to learn and to, to, to think outside of the box and learn outside of the box and educate and, and, and utilize some of that energy and time to put stuff in your brain that actually makes sense. Yep, bread for the head. We live in an economy where people just go hypnotize themselves, no point intended. You know, and listen, I've had my share of binge watching Netflix. I mean, you get into a show like House of Cards and it's like, I got to watch all the way to the end. So I have a full full one day sit down. But, you know, I, but I see, and again, I don't know if it's because it's a mentality, but like, I get excited to dig into like lately, you know, developing this process of the power of re and, and it's, but this goes back to our, our inner beings and how we're, how we're built. Cause not everybody that doesn't excite them. Like, you know, if you look at a Gary Vee, they, they, to, to, to create something new, to build a new business, to conquer, you know, it's in them to, to do so. You know, I mean, I heard Gary once say that he wishes, he wishes that there was a drug that would make him less ambitious. <laughs> I, I wish I can not want to have to conquer everything and take, take control of everything. You know, but I, I, don't, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. People look at that as like, you know, it's arrogant or, you know, what, it, but it's not. Like, it's, it's just, it's, your, it's in your being. Like, just like you, Doug, you don't have to do these Zooms and, you know, it's, it's something you decide you want to do. I'm sure you enjoy the, you know, the, the rapport and, and, and one of the things that I always love doing with interviews, um, I just love having the conversations with celebrities. Right. It was more like, you know, so what do you, like, do you wipe your butt, like, with toilet paper? Or is it like, is it, <laughs> you is sandpaper? It just curious. <laughs> like, you know, and it's just, so this, this research and what I'm doing and, and, um, and it has been a process to self-discipline and self-motivate me, because nobody else is gonna do it. Right. Same way with you. You're self-motivated, you're self-disciplined, so like, all right, I'm gonna make these calls, I'm gonna get in contact with Chris Cruz, I'm gonna do a Zoom, I'm gonna put it on the calendar, I'm gonna get it done. You know, because my people talk about doing a podcast or a webinar thing, and they'll say, yeah, I've been wanting to do it, and I have a great concept and a great idea, but you, have you done your first one? Yeah, well, you know, I gotta get this. I gotta get a, the LED ring. I gotta get a cool camera. You know, I gotta get a backdrop. I gotta get my hair done. My nails did, and it's like by the time you do that, next thing you know, your brain's like, you just lost a week because your brain went in a whole different direction. And it's like you went back to reality, back to your normal job, the your life that you hate, the girlfriend that you don't want to be with. And it's like, okay, now what? So you know, when you hear little distinctive one-liners that certain people, like Tony, says, you know, you got to take massive action. Because you have to take massive action. Or Steve Harvey would say, you got to jump. Like, you can't stand in the airplane with a backpack on saying, oh, my God, I, I would it'd be so cool to skydive right now. No, then jump. you got to go, you know? So... Well, and one of the things that Tony shares as well, he's brilliantly, he said, look, people overestimate what they could do in a month 
or in a year and yeah. they underestimate what they could do in a decade. Yeah. And or you think about you think about the end result and you overwhelm yourself with like trying to do everything at once. All these things. I got to get a book. I got to get a course. And I've, I've done it. And then instead of just thinking about all that, because that comes with the efforts, I just, I'm getting more, and this is programming. Mm -hmm. okay, what can I do today? I, I, like, I'm going through all my notes. I have so many notes on the course and they're all over the place. So lately what I've been doing is just like going through them and sorting them out of working with a buddy of mine as a copywriter and say, okay, how, how do I put this puzzle together? This is my first, you know, course of action. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward, you know, hopefully the next six months is going to start to blossom a little bit better than the first half of the first What's your quarter. vision for the way people will experience it? Which part? Well, the, the program as you're putting it together, is it the book you're putting it together? Is it? Yeah. I mean, um, like say the book is a calling card. It's a little bit more of like a reflection of, of the process um, of kind of how I got to where it is. I mean, my goal is, you know, for the course, it'll be in levels of, of it's so funny because I never planned it to be that way, but the numbers ended up calculating three across, seven down. And then that was, you know, a few times that it was 21 and then 21 days wasn't enough. And then the 21 times three actually became 63. So with these numbers, just like, like numerically, numerically, um, numerically, numerically start to just make sense. And I was like, wow, this just, it, whatever level it's just it's it's working but my goal is that it'll just be a resource i like to also call it like a life recipe like i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the ingredients and i'm technically giving you the recipe of how to make lasagna but then it's up to you to create the lasagna however you think you want to make you want to add a little bit more salt add a little bit more you know hamburger meat or whatever the case is. So at the end of the day, it becomes yours. Mm -hmm. So it's becoming that resource to help you hopefully help people, you know, break down those barriers and those walls of, of essentially fear. Um, or also just having the confidence to completely set your life back to zero and not be afraid to kind of start all over again, because I mean, that's really what life is. And whatever you think about it, there's a reset happening in your life all day long when you go to high when you leave high school and you graduate and you go to college or you you know you leave high school and you go to the workplace it's a reset so whatever you knew in high school as a student is going to be different than what you'll know you know in life as a an employee or whatever the case is um you know or you you know you go from being single to being married or um, you know i mean just there resets constantly happen in your life it's how you how you deal with it or how you embrace it in the present form and that's one thing that i'm trying to like really take on a lot more is just really what's happening right now forget about what happened yesterday forget about what's going to happen tomorrow whatever's happening now is what's happening human being um and essentially what i do today will remove and um no longer have to look backwards because like when they say when you plow a field the you know the farmer never plowed looking backwards he just goes forward um, and whatever I do today, you know, will hopefully start to dictate and set the stones in place to what I want to do tomorrow in the week after. Well, and, and that's the power of compound interest, right? So like if we were to change and improve our life 1% every day in a year, how much of a percentage of improvement would we experience? Yeah. And it's yeah, not. Are looking, are looking all the way over here and, you know, to go back to everything that I've done in radio and all that stuff, I mean, almost 20 years in radio. I mean, 
where I ended up and where, how I started the journey in between. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a big gap, but sometimes, you know, people don't look at that. They want to look at like, they just want to look at the end results. And, that's well, and you know, you bring up something interesting. Well, I don't know if you experienced this cause I did in, in what I was doing in music, either myself when I was signed or my friends bands that were signed, they would think, Oh yeah, you know, you have a record deal. You must be making tons of money. And most of my friends who had record deals had day jobs. They would leave to go on tour. And yeah, like what you're sharing, like people go, Oh, you're on the radio. You must be making tons of money. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm I have two other gigs that I'm, I'm actually doing, you yeah. know? And it's so interesting how people, the perception that they think that if you're on the air, you must be making tons of money. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend that signed with, with Jimmy Iovine and he was with uh, Def Jam and he signed a deal and he got shelved for an entire year. And at the end of 12 months, they actually dropped them. Oh man, you're Def Jam and Jimmy Iovine. Like, Oh my God. You're so awesome. And he did a couple of songs and some things, but it never went anywhere. Yeah. It, it's a persona. It's a, but you know, and that's, I mean, that's the, that's the kind of imprisonment that we're in that especially now with social media is we become so engaged with, you know, what we see on television or we see on the internet or, or like I said earlier, jokingly, you know, that, you know, that guy from the Amazon, oh, like, you know, yeah, drop you, shit program that he's going to make you a millionaire and he's driving the Lambo and you could be just like him. Which and, he rented for the which, picture. Yeah. And then you, and then it gets in your head. And honestly, I, 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 I looked at that same thing. And then one day I just like, you know what? I really thought about it. I was like, I don't want to do Amazon dropshipping. I don't want to do, you know, you know, multi-level marketing for whatever. Like, you know, I just, you get sucked into what you think the opportunity is or this, this picture that they paint for you and you get all motivated. Right. Mm -hmm. But then the reality is what I, and what I want to try to do with reset um, is I want to, as I'm doing to really kind of rediscover what makes me tick and what makes me happy and then start to rebuild and restructure what I'm going to start doing next. And the only person that I can do that is, is going to be me. So in the test beta phase, it's me kind of going through this, but what's going to make, I think, you know, my program um, valuable is going to be, because I'm going to be able to, the most valuable people in this business. And you know, this, and I'll leave you with this is, um, That story, if it collides perfectly with what you're trying to do, then it's gonna relate um, to the people that will, will humbly follow you as the people who follow Tony, you know, I mean, they become very loyal because it, it, they, can, they can relate and they can adapt to what they feel that their leader and I heard Tony, somebody else talking a story the other day about, you know, becoming more of a server and a leader. Mm -hmm. and, and to do that, you got to lead by, by example. Leaders not just being in charge and pointing the finger and telling everybody else what to do, but it's like, what are you doing that? And I'm trying to try to do that, you know, as a parent, you know, and it never gives you a, a course for that, but you got to lead by example and okay, well, if I'm going to tell so-and-so to do whatever, then I got to be able to do the same thing. Yep. Um, so, you know, the journey continues. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Um, this has been definitely a lot of fun. Hopefully we can do it again. And next time it'll be when I'm presenting the book in the course.
Amen, brother. And, and obviously, you know, we're, as we're in that field, you know, I believe in collaboration over competition. Um, you know, I have other, you know, speakers who we are all doing the same thing on here because I, I believe in that people are going to find their tribe. And like when you use Tony as an example, most of the Tony people who are, you know, use Tony as a, their main resource aren't exclusive. They're not like, oh, I'm a Tony person and I don't go to, you know, I wouldn't go to a Chris Cruz. Like they're on the journey and they're willing to try like and experience everything because they know that it makes them a well-rounded person. By the way, that last little part was an interview uh, tactic that I learned over time. Two parts to that. You know, one thing I learned in, in, uh, I I learned that a couple of views is like, they'll say something and I got to tell you this just, I got to get out of here, but let me, before I leave, I'll give you this one last thing. So it's a cool interviewing tactic. And then, then figuring out how to wrap up a conversation without it seeming awkward or that we're like abruptly. Yeah. Um, Which is a great thing to do because sometimes you have to know how to kind of, and I had it so many times when I would interview people, you know, and then the the, the back corner of the room, the publicist and the manager's like, yeah, they're going, (laughs) you're like, and then you're noticing them and like, I'm like, I lose my train of thought. So, you know, you learn how to like, so you had your kids going, daddy, come on. So, no, I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Um, and if you ever what? need anything from me, let me know. I'm going to check out your, your website, guidedhypnotic.com. Yeah, and then your, your site right there, chriscruzlive.com. There you go. So for, the, for those of us listening. And, dude, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your time, your wisdom, your uh, experiences. And I love you for who you are and who you aren't. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll see you shortly. Thank you, my friend. Peace. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here. And we look forward to serving you even more. Remember, download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.